The Millennial Way, a podcast made for the on-the-go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up-level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's The Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Way. I have an amazing guest today, my buddy, Britton Lawrenson, who it's actually kind of funny how we met. So let me back up a little bit. It's summertime. This is actually around the time that I met Britton. College students are getting ready to graduate. They're coming up on the end of their senior year, their junior years, their sophomore years, their freshman years. For some people, they're super senior years, right? But long story short, I was lucky enough to go down to the University of Washington in Tacoma and speak with a bunch of amazing marketing students last year. And when I got to do that speak, that speak, wow, when I got to do that conversation with all of these amazing college students, I got to meet so many amazing people. And not only did I meet Natalie Grace, who was awesome, who I wish I could bring on the team, who's now working at Microsoft, but I also got to meet this awesome dude, Britton Lawrenson. And I keep mentioning Britton's name. You guys are going to hear from him in just one moment. But I mean, guys, like, this guy's awesome. You're going to hear his story today. He's going to walk you all the way through it, and you're going to be so inspired. You're going to be like, man, I could do I could do anything that I've set my mind to. Britton has a very interesting story, to say the least. And last but not, Britton also works for what I consider one of the best digital marketing companies in the globe today. He works at T-Mobile. He's a designer at T-Mobile, and I am super excited to bring him on today. Britton, thank you so much for joining us here at The Millennial Way. How, how are you doing today? Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I've been doing pretty good today. Pretty stoked to get on here and talk with you a little bit and let people know kind of a little bit of my story and hopefully something that people can possibly learn from. So, Oh, totally. I have I have no doubt that people are going to learn from this. And Britton, to be completely honest with you, or to be completely honest with everybody who's listening to this, I have been a bad host. I've been a bad friend. And Britton and I Uh-oh. have been trying to get this to happen for, I feel like, months now. And it's about damn time that we made it happen. I, shoot, I was walking to the bathroom today, shot Britton a text, and was like, dude, today's the day. <laughs> today was definitely the day. I mean, I mean, life happens. It's one of those things where, you know, both Chase and I are super busy. Like, you're doing great things at Nestle, and I'm, you know, having to do things at T-Mobile. I mean, life happens, and the fact that we're on here now and talking is, you know, a testament to our commitment to making this happen. Absolutely. I mean, Britton, I remember to last year when we were just sitting down in the Starbucks Reserve, um, I call it restaurant, I guess, at the bottom of, of my building, and we were just talking about all the amazing things about life, about work. You know, you were, at that time just applying for T-Mobile and getting ready to get in after I've done having done an internship. And I personally was so inspired by your, by your journey, just in the fact that you set a goal in mind and then went and attained it and were so adamant about attaining it that you did anything in your power to truly attain it. So can you help us understand one kind of like your journey to T-Mobile? And, and then I'll come back and talk a little bit about your podcast, Impact Weekly, which we have to talk about on this because guys, I listened to it. Y'all need to start tuning into it because Britain's podcast is bomb. But <laughs> Britain, let's talk a little bit about your journey to T-Mobile first. Yeah, definitely. So it was a little bit of an interesting journey. It's not really like the, uh, I wouldn't say it's really straightforward 
how I got the T-Mobile. So if we kind of step back a little bit, when I was 17, 18 years old, I actually started my own company. And like at the time, I had a lot of inspiration from my dad and because my dad was a small business owner. And I got a lot of inspiration from him because it's, you know, being able to see a my father being able to like start his own business and make it work in my mind, I thought, you know, I can make this work too. And at the time I understood that I had a passion for technology. I like to draw a little bit. So I started my own company called Emerald Pacific that was primarily geared towards helping a lot of like local athletes, like skateboarders and BMX riders uh, find ways to not only like communicate the value that they provide to the community and kind of the mentorship that they can provide to like kids that are trying to find motivation and trying to find, I'm trying to find the right word for it, but like trying to find inspiration to be the best that they can be. And a lot yeah. of this stemmed from my own racing background, which is a whole nother story for another day. So I got into design and a little bit of marketing through all these kind of action sports related things. And over time, kind of built the company up. And um, I mean, it wasn't I wouldn't say it was necessarily successful, but it taught me a lot of valuable lessons, not only about being dedicated to the craft, but also being dedicated to the people that I'm serving. And at this point, it was primarily serving small like local athletes a lot of skateboarders that was that was my audience was trying to help them succeed and what it ended up turning into was like one thing about action sports is that no one wants to pay for anything (laughs) it's it's something (laughs) i mean everyone wants free swag everyone you know wants free stuff and you know that's that's completely fine but I can't make a business off of that. It's something that's difficult to make money from something like that. So I took a little bit of a step back and started looking out and seeing like, okay, you know, what kind of job can I pick up to try to make a little bit of money to where I can not only operate like Emerald Pacific, but also make money to be able to sustain it. And that's when I was lucky enough to come across a position at the Apple store. And at the time, like I was a super shy person, like growing up, like I was super shy, like you could try to talk to me and I just stare at you and I'm just like, oh, are you, are you talking to me? <laughs> I was, I was just like, what are you just that now? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it, it's one of those, like I was super deathly shy. So just imagining like this kid that all he's good at is like drawing things and, you know, and trying my best to try to talk with all these skaters and then, okay, we're going to put them into an Apple store, which is arguably like you need to be the biggest extrovert to work at the Apple store. Like it, it is incredible. Like you have to come up with like all these different topics and all these different ways to like conversate with these customers. And I was like the worst person for that. So, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but I'm sure you learned a lot from the experience, right? I definitely did. And there were a lot of people that I had kind of seeked mentorship from. So a lot of the people that were at the store for a while and trying to work with them, like, how can I kind of get myself out of this shyness, which kind of in retrospect, now that I think about it is probably why it took so long for me to get to the point to where I'm at was I had to learn how to be confident in myself. 
and yeah. being able to seek that mentorship from people at the store be like you know how do you how do you do this job like i am super introverted i'm, I'm like a turtle in a shell and trying to figure out like how can i break out of this so I would say like one of the most important things was learning who are the right people that I can talk to, who are the right people that I can seek mentorship from and then learn from them so I can try to grow as a person. Yeah, I, I love that, Britton. Like I, I'm going to stop you right there because I think that there's a lot of important things that you kind of touch on that, quite frankly, I would love to pick your brain on through the rest of this episode is just around the fact that like, how did you go about seeking these right people as mentors to learn from, right? Like there's so many aspects of it that you, you touch upon that a lot of people need help with. And quite frankly, like, and, and full honesty for me, being an extrovert is something that I was born into, right? You mentioned that you were the son of an entrepreneur. I'm the son of an entrepreneur as well. And growing up in my dad's business, I mean, my dad started, started his business when I was too young to remember. And I legitimately grow up, grew up, knowing nothing but his business and the fact that he worked for the Hawks for a little bit. And I was like, oh yeah, my dad used to work for the Hawks, but he does his own thing now. And when you're the son of an entrepreneur, the daughter of an entrepreneur, whatever you identify yourself as, you definitely are in the business, right? Like there's nothing other than growing up in a business where it's like, okay, well, every single day, mom and dad, mom or dad is working to help provide food on the table. And for me, I had to go interact with people on the daily just to help my dad, you know, get an extra buck or so that way I could work for free for him. And he would pay me call it 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks for the weekend. He paid me very fairly. Don't get me wrong. But he also made me learn that I had to start saving at that time too. And I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. But my point being was that I had to learn how to talk to people from the age of call it five until I was, I mean, to today until 20 years later, till I'm 25, you know, and I would love to learn from you kind of the steps that you took in order to one, recognize the right people that you can trust to learn from. And two, how did you go about those conversations to truly learn from them in a vulnerable state? Because I tell my people that I mentor all the time, like, Hey, like guys, you got to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to learn. You got to be willing to open up and be, be the guy, be the girl who's not who doesn't know everything, right? We, we like to think that we're very, very smart and intelligent individuals and we all are, but you can, it's impossible to know everything that goes on in this world. So I'd love to learn how you kind of went out and seeked those people for mentorship and understanding and then how you went about those conversations. Yeah, definitely. So I think you hit a really great point where the first step is really being able to accept who you are as a person and being able to accept the possible drawbacks to like someone's personality. And I'm sure there's a lot of like, even people that might be listening, there might be a lot of introverts out there, like kind of when I look at like my podcast and what I was doing with the podcast, like not a lot of people really engage with it, but I know that they're there. Yeah. And part of it is really being able to accept that. Yes, I'm a very introverted person and I need to seek some kind of help or some kind of mentorship to try to break out of that. So I, believe like the first step for me was really seeking someone who was vastly different and had a very different perspective from me. And I think a lot of people fall into this trap where they want to be with people that are similar to them, that think the same way as them. And I think that is one of the biggest problems with being able to address possibly like a 
problem with personality and something like introvertedness where you really need to seek someone who is the exact opposite from you and being able to learn from them. So I was able to understand from like the Apple store that the people who had the highest sales figures or had the best interactions or were in the longest interactions and might be like laughing and, you know, being super engaged to this customer pulling them from that interaction once they're done and they've made the sale and asking them like, what is it that you do? And a lot of it is primarily being engaged with the other person and live in that moment where it's not really about you as a person, but it's about them. And how can we create this conversation? How can we possibly build this connection on a mutual interest? And it'll be surprising, like even the most introverted people, most extroverted people, at the end of the day, there are going to be similarities between those two types of people. And you may not even realize it unless you broke out of that shell and you asked them or tried to engage with them to kind of seek to understand a little more. I love that. And I'll be I'll be completely honest with you, Britton, and I think you've kind of noticed this about me as we've continued to grow in our relationship and now be friends here for over a year, like I'm super stoked about the fact that I've known you for over a year, like that it's, it's just wild to me in this, this journey of adulthood and making friends. But my, my point being is that what's interesting to me is that for me, when I go to seek help, right, I, I'm a very extroverted and outwardly open person. You ask me anything and I'll pretty much tell you the truth about it. Chase, how's your relationship life? Uh, it's pretty crappy. <laughs> like Chase, how's how are things? You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll I'll open up and just give you anything. But when I go to seek advice, it's all about the vulnerability of being open to talking to somebody. And then also, like you said, seeking the knowledge and saying, hey, like, what is it that you're doing that you're that makes you so good at this? And people I've and I mean, this is a sample size of one. So take it or leave it. But I believe it's fact that when you go to somebody and you're asking questions about themselves, they are more than willing to open up and give you tips and advice on what they're doing. Because not only do one, they believe it's right. And you're kind of tooting their horn by saying, hey, John, Jacob, Jinkelheimer, Schmidt, what can I learn from you? Right? Like, and it's it's more of like, how can I take what you're doing and turn it into what I'm going to be doing? And I've just noticed that for me, at least when I go to talk to people and ask them questions or ask them about a little bit of advice, seeking mentorship, right? Like people are always more than willing to open up. Has that been the same, the same uh, experience for you, you would say? It definitely has been the same experience for me. And what's, what's interesting is when you look at someone that is needing help, a lot of times they interpret that help as a sign of weakness. Like, oh, you know, it's it's a lack of something, whether it's a personality trait, whether it's a skill that a lot of people see it as weakness, when I would say it's actually the opposite, where it's actually a sign of strength that you're able to identify that problem and you're able to address it and fix that and resolve that. I see that as more of a sign of strength than it is more a sign of weakness. Uh, agreed wholeheartedly. And I, to your point, when I first started at Starbucks, I walked into that building and realized that I was the youngest person in the building immediately. Right. So I was immediately at a disadvantage from everybody else who had all this experience and all of these different credentials that I didn't have. Right. I had just graduated my bachelor's as, as you did. And I was like, shoot, like 
if there's one thing I know how to do, it's talk to people and ask questions because if I'm sitting at my desk and I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be doing right now, I got to ask somebody because I don't like feeling like I'm going to get fired because I'm not doing anything. And my first manager who I adore, she was awesome. And I was the first person that she had to manage. So we had a lot of growing pains, but you know what? Like at the end of it, it was a good experience. I learned a lot from Catherine and long story short, when I first started, I think it was like month two that I was into it. She grabbed me and she was like, Hey, like, I just have to recognize you because one thing that you do all the time is you go out and you ask people if you don't know the answer. And I admire you for that wholeheartedly because I personally cannot go out and just ask people how, like, how do you do something? And for me, I, I told her, I was like, straight up, I don't know what I'm doing. So if I don't know what I'm doing, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. And what I feel comfortable doing is things that I know what I'm doing. So if I got to go learn from somebody else and try other things, try other methods, try other ways of doing marketing, data analysis, sales, sales operations. I don't know how the hell to do sales operations in a corporate environment. I just started two months ago. Right. And she was right. like, I admire that by you. And I, I just think that for everybody listening today, whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, for extroverts, it'll be a little bit easier to open up their mouth and say, hey, like, I just need some help, right? I'm going to, I need to raise my hand. I need to ask for that help. But for introverts who are listening to, don't be afraid to let that barrier down where you're out there being vulnerable, because at the end of the day, it's going to not show a sign of weakness, like Britain just mentioned, but it's also going to show a sign of strength. And the fact that you're confident in yourself enough that you may not know it today, but you will know it and learn it in a month. 30 days from now, 60 days from now, and then you will become the expert and you won't ever have to ask a question on that again. And that's my biggest thing on that is like, ask the questions now. So that way down the road, whenever you're later on in your role, you're not asking the same questions. Definitely. And that would add a little bit to that where it's not only about asking the right questions, but also being confident enough in kind of providing information. And I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand where not only are people afraid of asking like a dumb question, for example, but they're also afraid of possibly saying something that is incorrect. And I know like a lot of millennials and even me specifically being like a Capricorn, I don't like to be wrong. And it's one of those things where a lot of people are afraid to speak up sometimes. And that's kind of part of an introverted trait as well, where in actuality, like it's actually a lot better to speak your mind and being able to let people know kind of what you think about something or possibly answer something, whether you're right or wrong. It's the fact that you're saying something, you're making yourself known, you're making yourself vocal. People will start taking notice to that. Totally. And I also think it's the fact that you're willing to stand up and be vocal, right? Like, regardless of what you say is wrong. Now, if you say the wrong thing for two months in a row, people might stop listening to you. But my my old manager who I just stopped working for Luke was awesome. Like this dude challenged me every single day I was in the office and I may have showed up sweating. I may have not necessarily liked every single day when I first started, but I learned so much from him. And it was because he kept saying, Chase, I don't care if you know, or you don't know, you need to do the research before we walk into that meeting and you need to speak up. I want people to notice you. And honestly, you got a good voice. So let people listen to you. And to your point, Britton, it's like the fact that you're being vocal, the fact that you're speaking up, the fact that you're saying anything of value, 
brings value to the meeting immediately. And that's when people start listening to you, right? And again, like all the way back to your point about when you were working in the Apple store, the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable with that person and then also add a little bit of value to the conversation ended up allowing you to break out of that, what you called a turtle shell and become this force to be reckoned with, not only at the Apple store, but look at where you're at today with, with T-Mobile. Again, I still think they're one of the best digital marketing companies in the world. People can can argue with me. Domino's, T-Mobile, two best. You can't beat it. They have the most users. I mean, like you guys are rocking and rolling. And if it wasn't for this experience that you had in the Apple store, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would say that you would, might be in a little bit of a different place because you wouldn't be so willing to to open up to people. And, and I mean, again, tell me if I'm wrong. No, that's that's definitely correct. And like through these experiences, really kind of built my confidence up. And honestly, it's it's why I'm at T-Mobile currently. And a lot of it comes kind of hand in hand. Like part of building confidence is being able to not only speak up when I know something may be right or wrong, but also being confident enough in the work that I do, which kind of now starts getting more towards like design where being in this like introverted shell for the longest time, I didn't really want to share like my artwork to the world. Like for the longest time, I thought that a lot of people would judge me that a lot of people would think that I sucked. And actually a funny story, like back when, like even back in high school, when I was like running the student store and kind of business was my thing. And I was starting to get into design. This was a little bit before Emerald Pacific where uh, I wanted to dive into kind of the design part of like the t-shirts that was at like kind of within our student store. And I remember that we had an American apparel representative that kind of represented our account and come to find out that this representative was actually uh, kind of stabbing into the organization and actually taking a lot of money and overcharging for a lot of their services. So I ended up actually firing them and saying, you know what, I'm going to take everything in house. I'm going to print my own shirts. I'm going to do my own design. Yep. I might not know what I'm doing, but I need to cut costs and need to find a way to make, you know, really cool designs that people want to purchase. And I remember having a conversation with that representative where they basically told me that I would never make it in design that, you know, how, how dare I fire them because they're the professional, they know what they're doing. And I was this naive kid that had no idea what I was doing. So I was basically being told every certain way how I was wrong and I'll never make it. And, you know, obviously to this day, I've been fortunate enough to get to where I'm at. So I must have did, you know, must have did something right. Dude, I mean, you did more than a couple of things, right? And I think the first thing that you did that was right was not listen to that person, right? That person was like, Britain, you're firing me. I'm emotional. I hate you. <laughs> you're never going to make it. You're stupid, blah, blah, blah. And they throw out everything in the in the woodworks that they have just to try to bring you down because they are at the lowest, right? And they're lowest of the lows. And for me, it's like, hey, you know what? Misery loves company, but you're not going to be able to bring me down with it. And I mean, I think you've proven that words are just words. And what people say is never going to really truly get against you unless it's like, you know, even in a corporate environment, words can't bring you down. Because at the end of the day, if you're confident in yourself and confident in the work that you're doing, you're going to succeed. And Britain, like, I would love to understand from you how you took that person's words and either turned it into motivation or you just kind of put those by the wayside. Like, 
how did you put those aside? Because personally, when I hear from people like, ah, oh, Chase, you know what, like, this is cool, but you're never going to make it or this sucks, you're never going to make it. I used to get super defensive and I'd be like, oh, you don't even know me. You don't even know what I'm working towards, like all these different things. And it took me a very long time to stop getting defensive about it and to start being open to feedback and open to what other people were saying. Or if people were speaking out of their ass, I'd just be like, all right, like you're just talking out of your ass. You have no idea what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, it's not my problem because you have more problems than I do. You know what I'm saying? So I would love to just hear from you how you kind of mentally broke through that barrier of like, man, this person might be right. Because I think it's something that we all kind of go through when, when someone is negative towards us, especially about our own business or something that we're running ourselves. Definitely. I, I believe a lot of the times it comes from more of an emotional state. And one of the most important lessons that I learned from Apple was to, so the saying was, you always want to assume positive intent in what someone is saying. Yep. And this was something that I take, like, no matter, even if it's things that I did, like, way back when, things that I look at today, that a lot of it has to do with understanding the context of where these words are coming from. And sometimes the most powerful thing you can do, like, if someone is confronting you and saying, you have no idea what you're doing, and you're so stupid, like, why are you doing this? the best thing and most powerful thing I would recommend someone doing is seek to understand that perception or that perspective and ask them some follow-up questions and be like, you know, please tell me why you think this way. And sometimes that gives them enough time to really cool down and understand like, oh man, I kind of let that slip a little bit. And then they'll even be apologetic about it. So it's more so about making sure that you can not really like confront the person, but ask those follow-up questions and understand like, why do you say it like that? Or how, what, like, why do you position it this way? And then come to kind of this middle ground where you can have a better understanding of where they're coming from, but then also using that as fuel as, you know what, I learned something valuable from this exchange and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, but learn something from this exchange because someone who lives kind of within this world that they think they're always right. They're not going to make it far. You're not going to make a lot of friends. And it's something where we need to step back sometimes and understand, you know, we may not be right all the time. And sometimes outbursts like this are going to come from people who think that exact thing where they're going to think they're not right. Well, instead of looking at it as attacking them for that person, like for that perspective, let's take that and now understand, okay, what is it as part of this exchange that I can learn from this and maybe adapt what I do in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. And have you been able to change your style and speaking to people based on how others have spoken to you? And the reason that I'm asking this question is because I personally have been talked to in different ways in a corporate environment, outside of a corporate environment, right? Like, coming out of college, you get spoken to in so many different ways that you're kind of confused on how to react to all the different ways because you're now talking to people professionally, personally, personal, professionally, right? Like there are times at Britain where we talk and we're just talking about liquor or there are times where we're talking about work and it gets, you know, more professional in just the way that we're speaking about things. But in terms of you talking to other people, have you seen your style kind of change based off of what you do and don't like? Yeah, definitely. I try to approach a lot of my conversations 
from that perspective of seeking to understand and being able to not only learn something from someone, but also try to understand, like, why is it that they think a certain way? Like when you have people that maybe have grown up with a certain ideology, the most important thing you can understand is instead of fighting it, try to work with it. And I do see that even kind of in my workplace, sometimes people get into this thought process that one way is the right way, when maybe there's actually three, four, five, or six additional ways that you can reach that solution. So figuring out how can I learn how they think and what can I learn from kind of their perspective? And there might be something part, like there might be something that's part of that story that we can actually adapt to a solution that we might be thinking of ourselves. Dude, I love that. And in terms of like thinking differently, right? So when I think about thinking differently, I think of a lot about my business and what I get to work on every single day. And, you know, nine to five, I'm always thinking, man, Starbucks, great brand. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Why are we re- reinventing the wheel? We're one of the best coffee brands in the world. But at the same time, I'm always challenged by one, my CEO and all the way down to rethink things. Are we thinking about this the right way? Are we doing this in the right way? Sure, what happened last year may work again this year, but it's not gonna work again for forever. I mean, look at Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster was renting videos, renting video games, doing all these great things. And then all of a sudden the internet boomed and Netflix came out and completely wiped Blockbuster. I mean, it literally took all of Blockbuster's money. Like, hey, love your bank account. That's coming to me. Um, (laughs) No, seriously. But in terms of like, and you have to innovate and continually think and and reinvent the wheel. So that way you're constantly getting better and innovating with the times that are changing. So would you say that at T-Mobile, it's the same way? And I, I know that you guys with the digital marketing that you do is just fantastic. I'm a T-Mobile customer, get the T-Mobile Tuesdays every Tuesday, and I get super excited, except for mm-hmm. when you guys offer Dunkin'. Uh, I can't even say the dang word. That's how much it makes me cringe. But uh, <laughs> anytime you guys offer anything about Dunkin', but long story short, in terms of thinking differently, Britton, how have you been able to bring that into the corporate environment? And how have you been able to really challenge people in a way to try to think differently? Definitely. And and kind of to go back a little bit, I think one of the biggest evils, maybe not evil, but one of the worst things that a company can do is be complacent. And kind of going back to like the Blockbuster example, where they're complacent in always kind of renting out like cassettes and renting out DVDs when the future was obviously something like Netflix. So what makes me excited about a place like T-Mobile is we look at it from the perspective that first we kind of take what would be like a pain point, like a customer pain point. That's kind of like the bedrock of our business is figuring out what's a customer pain point or what's something that's emerging that could potentially be a pain point, but also be something that we can capitalize on and benefit the customer and make it an incredible experience. And Something that T-Mobile does amazingly well is one, listening to the customer, but also two, coming up with solutions that is going to be ideal for multiple audiences. We're not only catering towards people in the city. We're not only catering towards people that might be in like a rural area. It's looking at the market and looking at customers as a whole and thinking of them as people. And this is one of the biggest problems with someone like Verizon or AT&T, 
where a lot of times those customers or those people are numbers. And that's what I love about being at T-Mobile is we're primarily looking at it from the perspective that these are people we're talking about. And these are, yes, they are customers, but they are people and they have real problems. And that's what T-Mobile seeks to achieve. And that's why personally I wanted to come to T-Mobile was having this great understanding of what's needed in the market and providing a solution that's going to be the optimal and best solution for that customer. That's so dope because I heard a couple things and and I'm just going to be like super honest with you is that like we're always thinking about the customer, the consumer who's out there buying our product. And and that's because of the I'm not going to call it a commodity even though coffee is essentially a commodity because you could buy it on the commodity exchange, but we sell something that a lot of other people sell, right? And you can go into a, into a coffee aisle, you go down the grocery store, you go to a QFC, a Safeway, a Kroger, a Walmart, a Target, you can walk down their coffee aisle and you're going to see Starbucks, you're going to see Dunkin' Donuts, you're going to see Pete's Coffee, you're going to see their private label, whether it be Archer Farms or Great Value or Kroger brand, and you're going to see all these different price points and you're going to make a decision based off of something, whether it be price whether it be the same brand that you've always bought, the same brand that you've always gone to the cafes, whatever that may be. But when I was looking around the business news and just business trends that are going on today, I read this really interesting article earlier this week on the New York Times, and they were talking about how the cell phone industry is an interesting one because it's a essentially oligopoly, even though there's more than two players in the US market today. You have Verizon, you have Sprint, you have AT&T, you have T-Mobile, Right big guys, I would say the big four. And when they were talking about like the the consumer purchase process in that, and I look at myself because I've, I've switched around. I grew up on, on Verizon. My dad uh, switched the family over to Sprint after a while. And yes, everybody, I am still on my parents' family plan. So hate if you want, but as a 25 year old, not having to pay for a cell phone is amazing. Um, and then my dad, oh, yeah, totally. over from, <laughs> but dude, but I mean, like we were, we went to Sprint from AT from not from AT and T from Verizon, and it was awful. Like we went from fantastic coverage to what felt like no coverage, and then we ended up switching over to T Mobile, which I'm super happy with. I've had to deal with customer service a couple times. They're all fantastic. They've taken care of me. But in this article, they talked about how consumers within the cell phone market and within like the TV market, for for instance are just going to be on these like two year cycles of like switching back and forth between companies on their promotions. Verizon is now offering $75 off all new iPhones. And they also offer you a free month or T-Mobile is offering you at a line for $5, you know, and, and I'm going to go down a, a dark rabbit hole with that in terms of like offers and just getting people to come in. But how do you see kind of the cell phone space playing and then T-Mobile continuing to win in that space because sure, they might not have the largest or fastest coverage, but you guys take care of your people. And like you said, you hit on those pain points all the time. So I'd love to hear from you kind of how you guys continue to go up against your big competitors. And then also how you continue to retain those consumers and keep them kind of in a cycle of continuing to stay with T-Mobile rather than jumping ship and going to the next best promotion. Definitely. I think one of the biggest stigmas in like the wireless industry in general is a lot of times it feels like it's very transactional. And this is something that even like working at Apple, it felt very transactional where it was like every two years you're due for an upgrade and it's like, okay, and you know, it's time to get my phone. And well, I don't know if I necessarily like the carry that I'm with right now. So maybe I'm going to switch. 
And I think that's the biggest problem that the wireless industry has created for itself is it's made it very transactional. And that's a huge problem. It's something that is very impersonal. Like it's, it's, there's nothing personal about that experience. And I believe that the direction for wireless is to kind of steer away from transactional and gear more towards relationships. And this is something that like T-Mobile is a champion of. Like we're looking at, you know, team of experts, as you were talking about, like the customer service, like it feels like you're having a relationship with these people where they really care about your well-being and making sure that you're getting the best coverage and the best experience. And also looking at like T-Mobile Tuesday, like how can we let people know that we appreciate their business, that we acknowledge them as a person and not as a number or as a transaction? And that's our way of giving that thanks to that customer through that relationship. So the most important thing, and this is what any company can learn from is we fall, we tend to fall kind of in a pattern, especially in the marketing space where we look at it as what's the end goal. What's that CTA? And a lot of it is CTA is going to follow that transaction. Like we want that sell. However, the most important part of the marketing cycle isn't necessarily a transaction. It's about the relationship afterwards. You have to find a way to retain that person and let them know that, hey, we care about you. We want to make sure you're being taken care of. And that's something that I feel like T-Mobile is the best in the wireless industry on making sure that we're listening to those customers, not only from the pain points that they have, but also rewarding them for that loyalty and letting them know that, hey, we care about you as a person. This is a relationship that we're committed to. And this is how we're going to show that to you. Britton, I love that. And you literally just hit on my point on why I think that you guys have one of the best apps, why I think you guys are some of the best digital marketers. And it's because of that, what we call a one-to-one relationship, right? A company to consumer relationship and understanding that, hey, we take this seriously. I think that T-Mobile does a great job of it with T-Mobile Tuesdays. Domino's does a fantastic job of it with their piece of the pie rewards. And honestly, the fact that they opened it up now to say, take a picture of any pizza that you have, not just a Domino's pizza, but legitimately any pizza that you have, and we will give you some type of reward for it, right? Starbucks, for example, they segment and they are definitely a one-to-one in terms of the the Starbucks app. And I think that Starbucks does a fantastic job with it too. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of who we are looking at to truly drive the innovation of what's happening in the upfront, God, you guys are literally there. And it's all because of this, this mantra that Amazon really truly started that we all kind of see within our business and workplaces today is that we need to become this consumer centric, consumer obsessed company and I believe that that ends up happening when you start truly caring and understanding what happens about what throughout your people. And like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Britain is the fact that like we have to put our people in the center and it goes back to being consumer centric. But at the beginning we were talking about how you were kind of nervous about what other people would say or what was going on. And you needed to make a little bit money off of put impact Pacific. I said that right, right. Emerald Pacific. Emerald Pacific impact. It, it all kind of is pretty much the same. <laughs> okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't mess that up. But my point being is that, like for me, we heard we heard this talk from some some marketers that if you don't care about your cons- like your your core consumer, right? 
when I think about my podcast, it is the same hundred people that I want to talk to every single day. And everybody else that's new, I want to continue talking to you too. But I need to make those core people happy because they've been with me since the beginning. And they're going to be the ones to speak up to help me understand what I need to do better for other people. And I feel like it's the same way within corporate America, where if you're not truly obsessed with your consumer, you're just going to end up becoming like a blockbuster and you're going to end up going out of business because you don't reinvent the wheel. What ain't what's broke, don't fix it. And then you're going to get into a point where it's broken now and you're going to be like, shit, I don't have a wrench. I don't have a hammer and I don't have any nails. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. Totally. So with all of that being said, Britain, this was just part one of what I see as like five to six, seven episodes. Honestly, <laughs> I, I see us having so many different conversations. We didn't even get to talk about your podcast today. Can you tell everybody a little bit about what Impact Weekly is all about? I would love to just kind of cover off on that too. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I can do a lot better with Impact Weekly, <laughs> but essentially what... Imp- don't, don't get me wrong. So uh, Impact Weekly, essentially what it is, is helping people get a better understanding of marketing, design, technology, and how the three kind of mix in to create an incredible experience. And there's going to be several episodes. It it serves multiple facets. So if you're interested in design thinking, there's going to be episodes for that. If you're interested in marketing and kind of how do you position your message to someone, there's an episode for that. Or even looking at technology and how can I use technology to its full capability to spread my message or communicate my message. We cover all those different facets and it's something that's a really interesting segment. It's something that's interesting bringing those three together and coming up with a talk and a conversation about how these three interact and engage with one another. I love it. And I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to about nine to 10 episodes now on Spotify, which honestly is not my favorite platform to listen to podcasts on personally, because I've always been an Apple music guy. I got an iPhone. I listen to the podcast app, you know, but for me, like listening to it through that avenue and understanding how others listen to it through it made me realize that like, it's not the same as Apple podcasts, but long story short, Britain, you have one bomb ass podcast. Everybody needs to go check it out. I'll put those in the show notes. Those are in the show notes because it's important to me for that. You guys go check this out, especially if you're interested in the things that Britain just mentioned, design thinking, marketing, all the aspects that come behind design to truly bring out a true experiential experience for the consumer or for yourself. I mean, shoot, Britain, you started your own company. Anybody can start their own company and really truly do it. But what's important is that you differentiate yourself and that you're able to truly drive people to your site, your, uh, I don't know, your business, just to make sure that people are there. There's buying it. And like Britain said, you got to make a little bit of money off of it. So figure out that way to make some money. <laughs> Listen to Britain. He's a very, very smart individual. He knows exactly what he's doing. And shit, I mean, I listen to your podcast. I I would be reminisced if other people didn't listen to it. But keep going. Go ahead. You're about to say something. Definitely. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate that. And one thing I would say is um, the most important thing that someone can look at when they're like thinking about starting a business or getting into something is one, always believe in yourself. And the way that I look at it is passion and motivation will always beat out talent any day. Oh yeah. It's something. 
Yeah. I mean, it's something that you look at, like someone can be the most talented person. Like when I look at like people that draw things and design things, like obviously there are people that are out there that are way better than me, but it isn't about the talent. It's about that motivation. It's about that dedication to the craft and just being loyal to yourself and being motivated to get it done is really what it comes down to. I agree. That's, you know, I think you make a really strong statement with that because when I was starting my podcast and my blog at first, I started the blog a year before I started the podcast. And honestly, I was so motivated to help other people. All I want to do. And honestly, like I'm saying this on the podcast to you, to everybody, if I were to die tomorrow and I know that I only helped one person, my job's done. Like my job is truly done. I want to help millions of people in this world. I mean, I tell, I told you, I tell everybody that I want to run for president in 2032, because I truly do want to like help others. I don't want to do it because of myself. And quite frankly, the president doesn't make enough for me to be like, Ooh, I want to go become the president because I want to become this rich man. No, it's because I really truly want to help people. And that's what keeps me going. And honestly, like I lost sight of my vision for a couple months, focused all on myself and then realized I'm not fulfilling myself because I'm not out there helping other people. I'm not doing things in the community to help other people achieve their goals. I'm not doing other things that are helping people get to where they want to be. And I need to change that, which made me come back to the podcast, vamp it up even faster and harder than I've ever gone at it before. And to your point, Brendan, it's like the passion behind it is what truly keeps me going every single day. And I know that's what keeps you going because every time I talk to you, every time I hear from you, you have that passion behind you. And that's what inevitably drives people. If you only want to become a C, I say only, if you want to become a CEO in a corporate environment, <laughs> go do it. But you have to go at it full speed ahead and have that passion behind you, behind it in order to truly get you there. And then like Britton said, if you don't have that confidence in yourself, no one's going to believe you. It's just, I mean, it's just a fact. And Britton, I'll tell you this, I am able to speak with confidence, but I did not have the utmost confidence when it came to my work. When I stepped into the corporate environment, took me a little while to work on it. But after I realized, you know what, I'm smart enough to do this and I could truly achieve whatever I set my mind to. It's been, I mean, like, I, I can't even tell you, it's been smooth sailing. Now, yes, like every day is a, is a different challenge, but in terms of doubting myself, in terms of second guessing myself, I don't do that anymore because it's like, I know what I'm doing is right. And I know what I'm doing is correct. And if it's not correct, I'm open enough to listen to you to tell me what's going on. And I think that that's super important for people too. Definitely. I think one, if I was to coin a term, I would say the best thing someone can exhibit is humble confidence. Being humble in the work that you do, but also being confident in the work to know that you are capable of doing it, but don't brag about it. There's, there's no point to brag about it. If you're good at what you do, you should never have to tell people that you're good at it. It's having that confidence that you know you're good at something and you can get it done. There's no need to advertise it. Dude, I agree wholeheartedly. And to end today's episode, because we're running out of time a little bit, got to ask everybody this, Britain. I think you know this. 90-second elevator <laughs> pitch. You're in the elevator. You just got in. Somebody's like, oh, my God, you look like a smart guy. I need help. What's one piece of advice that you would give give somebody? Oh, man, I got 90 seconds. Okay. Well, I would ideally like to ask him a question. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I would say... Well, let's say their question is, <laughs> I need... 
your question is like, oh my God, like, well, what do you want to do in life? And they're like, I just want to be successful. I would say that find something that you love to do. If you're passionate enough about it, you need to pursue it and have the confidence to be able to follow through on that passion and believe that you're going to make something of it. And no matter how many people, how or you would say how many haters come along the way and believe in yourself, believe in the crafts and believe that you're doing what's ideal, not only for yourself, but also for the society and community. Boom. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's amazing. That truly is amazing. And Britain, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And I mean, you literally texted me back like seconds within me going, dude, we should record a podcast tonight. Uh, <laughs> but this was awesome. And and like I said, we're going to have many more of these coming out. Britain and I are going to meet up here just in the next next week or two to knock out, call it five, six, seven podcast episodes. Britain didn't even know that, but I'm telling him that now. Uh, oh yeah (laughs) and guys keep winning i mean today's winning wednesday let's go out there let's go get these dubs i mean it's it's important to continue winning getting over the hump and truly sliding into the weekend like it's like it's smooth sailing easy going we all know thursday and friday aren't necessarily the easiest days but let's get let's make it there let's make it there with some wins let's go in there with a high and guys you guys know i love you guys so much go follow us on instagram at underscore millennial way Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's millennial talk. I have huge news coming out for you guys on Saturday. We are doing a sweepstakes. That's right, a sweepstakes. We're going to be giving away $200 in total, $100 to a Visa gift card, $100 to an Amazon gift card. I ran a poll. And like I said, I listened to you guys. Ran a poll on Instagram. You guys spoke. And guess what? It was a 51% to 49% split. So instead of only giving you guys $100, we're going to throw it out there for $200. All you got to do is go follow us on Instagram at underscore millennial way. Tag five friends in the post that's going to come out on Saturday. You're going to see a video of me. That's right. A video of me. And then we're going to do this giveaway, y'all. I promise. I promise. I promise. We have so much more content continuing to come out. Britain was an awesome guest for today. And guys... Go out there and go do something nice for somebody today because why not? Go make their day. So with all that being said, win the day. Have a fantastic end of your week. And let's go do this, y'all. Let's get this bread. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore millennial way on Instagram and Twitter. 